welcome to the Simply Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Hassoun. In this podcast, I'll be looking at three key questions related to fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I will break these down into information that is easy to understand and actionable so that you can apply it to your life today. This podcast will give you all you need to improve your health and well-being once and for all. So sit back, listen, and most importantly, take action. Hello, wonderful humans, and welcome back to another episode of the Simply Fit Podcast. And as I'm recording this, we are now in September. It's pretty crazy how fast it's come around, but it is absolutely here. And I saw a meme on Instagram recently saying something like, when 2022 is around 100 days away, and you're still trying to mentally comprehend 2019, which was almost three years ago. It is bizarre, but we are here. And over the past few years, I've noticed that although September may be the ninth month in the year, it's almost become like a second new year, so to speak. There's a, you know, those back to work campaigns for the parents of children in school. It's the start of a new educational year, of course. And the same goes for obviously those teachers out there too. Summer, which is usually a time where we go on holiday, we ease off the gas a little bit, we interrupt our routine, etc., has come to an end. And it feels like it's just the right time for a reset when September comes around. And not to mention that there's actually still a decent amount of time left in this year. However, the new year is looming and this year seems to fly by. It seems to go September, Halloween, Christmas, and you know, that's it. And it all happens within what feels like a space of weeks. So typically there's thoughts of what do I want to achieve before the end of the year? We might start thinking about those new year's resolutions that we never got round to. And to be honest, I think this is fantastic. I'd also say a lot of the success stories when it comes to the clients I work with come from the people who start around this time of year too. If you're thinking, it's going to take me longer than three months or so to achieve my goal, then do not be discouraged. And I'll tell you what usually happens with those I work with who start around this time of year. So in this example, it's of course health and fitness, but the reality is that this could apply for most goals. So a client will start with me on their health and fitness journey in September. They'll make a solid amount of progress through September up until the new year. And during that time, they'll get the opportunity to learn how to navigate the holidays, the socials that come along away with that, which I personally think is crucial learning to absolutely anyone going through this type of journey. They realize that in fact, they can go through Halloween, Thanksgiving, Diwali, Christmas, New Year, Hanukkah, etc., without gaining two, three, or even five kilos. And some, in fact, they even make progress despite these. Nonetheless, both sets of people come away with the experience that they can, in fact, navigate these, go through them, and not have them impact their health and fitness journey. And as you guys will know, I'm not super strict. I believe that we can have some life along the way whilst achieving our goals. Not too much, of course, but you know, I'm all about finding a way to achieve your goals without compromising or sacrificing too much. And these holidays, as long as you don't go overboard, can serve as quite a nice little stopgap. You may make like a solid amount of progress for two, three months, and then you get a little bit of a breather during the holidays. And then new year comes around, and then most of us get that new year hit of motivation, and we're ready to attack part two of our journey. And that's what I love about the springtime. The transformation come in thick and fast as actually most of the work was done in the autumn and winter time. And one final benefit whilst I'm on that note is if you start now and you manage to go through the colder, darker and wetter autumn and winter months, when spring comes around and summer, it's going to be an absolute breeze. The days are longer and brighter. There's more incentive to be outdoors, to do your steps, right? Let's put it this way. If you learn to do your steps in the pouring rain and snow, there won't be any stopping you when that spring sun comes 
comes around. So with that being said, I think it's the perfect time to take advantage of this time of year and start attacking your goals. So what I want to do today is I want to give you guys my five best tips on how to make the most of the back end of the year. So let's dive in with number one, pick one maximum two things that you're going to be hyper focused on. It's so easy to want to do absolutely everything at once. And to be honest, some of us actually can. However, most of us would benefit much more by just picking one or two key things to focus on. This doesn't mean that you need to discard everything else, but you'll find that when you have a decent level of competency in certain areas, you're able to give them less of your time, energy, and focus, and they still run pretty nicely in the background. However, if you decide to start a new business, start a family, commit to a triathlon, be a avid member of the church, take up a new hobby of fishing, decide that you actually want to do a little bit more traveling too, on top of nurturing your existing relationships and friendships and a full-time job, I don't think it's going to be long until you fall flat on your face. So even if you manage it for a few weeks or even a month or two, you'll eventually find that you'll start dropping the ball on one or two of these things, or maybe even all of them, and you won't be making much progress as you'd like to. We have an unlimited amount of opportunities, which is great, but also a challenge because we only have a limited amount of time, energy, and focus. And this is something that I'm a victim of. And I'd even say at the start of the year, I did this and I've only just recently realized I love my work, but I also knew that I didn't really have any real hobbies and didn't do much outside of work. So what did I decide to do? I went hyper-focused on hobbies and getting started on all these things that I actually like the idea of. I decided to just get a guitar, a skateboard, take Spanish lessons, spend more time with people. I already had a limited amount of leisure time and my work was always going to take precedence. So what did I do? I tried to squeeze in a little guitar in the evening. I stuck with 30-minute Spanish lessons to make them more efficient. I skateboarded for like 45, 60 minutes at a time and I made sure that when I did spend time with people, I booked it in my diary. So I was going to be making it on time and it fit in nicely with the rest of my commitments. And if I'm honest with myself, and maybe I am being a little bit self-critical here, but I digress, I haven't really excelled in any of those pursuits. And don't get me wrong, I am better at all of these four things. However, I really do think that if I looked at my diary and saw that, okay, I have 10 hours for leisure time, and rather than trying to squeeze in four of these new hobbies, especially when, you know, for instance, spending time with other people and friends takes a long time, I just said, you know what, I'm going to give 50% of my time to one of them and 50% of the rest of my time to the other. I'm sure I would have achieved much more within these given pursuits. And the reality of my situation is that it wasn't that detrimental because it was leisure time. So however I spent my time, as long as it was fulfilling to me, I guess that was the most important thing. But I personally like making progress and genuinely find activities more enjoyable if I can see progress being made. And therefore, sticking to just one or two of these things would have allowed me to get a lot better than I did at trying to commit to four or more. So in the context of hobbies, like I said, it's not really that important. But when it comes to the more meaningful goals, like your health and fitness, pushing for that promotion or starting a family, it matters. And again, don't get me wrong. If your work is more relaxed and you've actually got quite a lot of leisure time, you might be able to do more as you have more time. But in my example, I was starting work at 6am, finishing at 6 or 7pm on most days. And I was up until 10 to 11pm some days because I was taking meetings in a different time zone. So that was a lot on top of trying to release a podcast once or twice a week too. So I didn't have a huge amount of time and realistically just committing to one or two things would have been so much more valuable for me. And something that helped me with this way of thinking was looking at your life in seasons. I first heard Ryan Holiday speak about this on a video 
And the context is a little different, but the concept is really, really helpful and can be applicable to this. He was talking about the decision to have a pool cleaner come every two weeks, you know, like a physical swimming pool he had in his house. As you can see, it is a bit of a first world problem. But once he assessed that it costed around $150 each time, and if that cleaner was coming twice a month over the course of the year, it was roughly around $3,000, if not more dollars. And then over the course of a lifetime, this could maybe add up into the hundreds and thousands of dollars. And when he was reflecting, he thought, yeah, I could clean the pool myself and save all these hundreds and potentially thousands of dollars. But then what he realized was probably a little bit more important because the time he would spend cleaning the pool would take away from the time spent with his very, very young children right now. It would take away from the time he spent writing or the time with his wife, you know, all of which are huge priorities. And then he then realized that in fact, he might not always have a pool. And if he was going to pay this amount for the next five years, whilst his children were still very young and he's in his prime as a writer, this would be a really worthwhile trade-off for this season of life. And it doesn't mean he'll have the pool cleaner forever, but right now there are more pressing things that are just more important. He won't get to see his kids when they're age three or five again. There's no guarantee he'll be as sharp with his writing in five years. And therefore those things need to take precedence right now. Just because he could do those other things and save that money doesn't make it necessarily a good idea. And therefore, what you want to have to think about is what's truly important to you in this season of life and dedicate the majority of your time to this. And one quick caveat before we wrap up this point is that remember the time frame and the long-term investment of this commitment too. I think this is really important because of some things that you commit to, you might only see the return on investment in five, 10 years down the line. However, if we take health and fitness as an example, six to 12 months highly dedicated to this could put you in a position where you're in the shape of your life, you've added years to your life from being in better health, and you can now go into maintenance mode. And this improvement in your health has a knock-on effect to absolutely everything else you do. And it's one of those things that if you're in a sustainable position, you no longer really have to address with a hyper-focus ever again. So when you pick what you're going to dedicate your time to, think of the longer-term return on investment too. You might have heard me say it before, but I think it's worth mentioning again. You can do everything that you want to, you just can't do it all at once. All right, on to the next. Number two, hit the ground running. I do think it certainly depends on the individual, but I don't think that the dipping your toe in approach is that favorable when it comes to your health and fitness journey, especially for most of us. The beauty of these days, and most people I speak to, is that they're not expecting results overnight. They are thinking in months and years versus days and weeks, which is definitely helpful. However, they still want to see results. If they're seeing the scale slowly move down, 200 grams here, 300 grams there, it's great. It's awesome. They see it move, but once they have that one off-track meal or all of a sudden they have a couple of bad days, they feel like they're back at square one and it can be pretty disheartening. On the other hand, when someone hits the ground running, their protocol is set up for them to drop one or 2% of their body weight per week in the early stages and within their first month, their kilos down this is a completely different feeling. Results are motivating. They're incentivizing. You might find your training and diet plan completely boring, but most of us, if we see ourselves moving in the right direction, we're going to be able to keep on that plan. So if you're going to get started on whatever goal it is, go after it. And this doesn't necessarily mean going from absolutely no exercise at all to five sessions a week, nor does it mean cutting your carbs to zero in week one. What it does mean is setting yourself something that's appropriate, but challenging and being as diligent as possible for at least the first one to two months. 
give yourself a good amount of time to see real progress being made. Number three, stop letting your work and kids get in the way. There is nothing more important in this world than yourself. Your health is literally your most important asset. And as much as I appreciate our work is very, very important to us, it's a calling for some of us. It's a roof over our head and food in our children's mouths for many. However, you can't let this be an excuse. You may be your kid's primary caregiver. They may mean the world to you, but it can't be an excuse. And I'll be honest and start by saying, I don't genuinely believe that we all have the same 24 hours in a day. On paper, we do, but our circumstances and responsibilities really do dictate the amount of time we have. If you have a job that you literally can't come home from until 6 p.m. and you have your children to look after too, I really do appreciate that it's not easy. I don't want to overlook this and just tell you to work harder or want it more. I don't think that's practical. However, waiting until your work eases off is also not the answer. Waiting until your kids are older is also not the answer. Instead, we need to find out what's feasible and work within those parameters. A recent example I can think of is an individual I currently work with, who I won't name, but they're working in healthcare. They have a young family, they work from Monday to Friday, they leave early in the morning and they get back late at night. They actually work some weekends too. And we've been writing to each other recently to work out what the best approach is going to be. It would be really easy for them to give up on their journey. And when you listen to what I just mentioned, you wouldn't even blame them either. However, they started this journey for a reason. And the reality is that those in this position will put their health on the back burner for one, two, three years or more. And the unfortunate reality is they'll regress further back with their health in that time and have even more work to do when the time comes. And not to mention that they had to deal with the consequences of their non-optimal health health for all that time too. This in my eyes is not the solution. So what we've opted for instead is trying two 20 to 25 minute short and sharp workouts during the weekend and one longer workout over the weekend on the days that they're not working. They maintain their walking to work to add another cardiovascular element and a little bit more calorie expenditure. We are heavily prioritizing good quality nutrition, stress management, and their quality of sleep. And we've got to remember, something is always better than nothing. And if you focus on these, you're going to make way more progress than you would if you just gave up entirely. It may take you a couple of extra months to achieve your goals, even six to 12 months more. You may not be able to hit the ground running like I mentioned in the last point, but you will be in respect to what you can commit to. And a quick caveat here too, even if you have zero time to exercise, you can still focus on your nutrition. You can aim for quality sleep. You can manage your stress. You can hydrate. You can do four minute Tabata workouts. You can take the stairs. Something is always better than nothing. Number four, eliminate your distractions. If your screen time on social media is more than 90 to 120 minutes across the week and you tell me you don't have time to work out, I'm going to delete those apps off your phone for you. Honestly though, I mentioned this in episode 49 when I did my own digital detox. Those five minute checks on socials, email, messages during the day are a huge time sap when you add them all up. They slow down the transition between tasks. They take your mind elsewhere. You get sucked into checking something else based on the message or email you just received. Your screen time is your business, but if there's something you want to commit to and your complaint is around time, this has to be looked at. And what's the easiest place to start? Notifications and app timers. Let's say you're working from home. How would you feel if your colleague knocked on your door every 10 minutes with a piece of information that wasn't time sensitive or even at some points irrelevant? First of all, it would be extremely unusual that they were knocking on your door. But second of all, you wouldn't tolerate it. Yet you let them into your virtual world and that is just as bad. Let's set work aside. Let's take a friend that knocks on your door to tell you how amazing your latest selfie looks. 
you wouldn't tolerate it. But when we keep our notifications on, we let people have constant access to us and this can dictate the trajectory of the time we spend and sometimes even uh, the entirety of our days. The reality is most of us don't work in an emergency room, yet we treat our work like it is an emergency room with immediate responses and being on and ready 24-7. It needs to stop. We need to be intentional about the time when we're on and then when we're off. We need to create clear boundaries with the access that people have to us. If you have a job that does require you to be on call all the time, then at least be intentional about your personal notifications and your social media use. Even an example for myself, I recently put back on my timer on Instagram. I have 15 minutes per day. In fact, no, I had 30 minutes per day and it will always flash up. I always use that quota and sometimes I do press the ignore button, but I'll tell you what, when I do press that ignore button, I'm on there far less because I know that technically I shouldn't be. If I don't have that app timer on, I can be on there for you know, I don't want to say hours, but it could be hours before I even realized that I'd been on there for too long. So set up app timers on the ones that you know that you're spending more time than you would like to on. Number five, plan for the things that are going to get in your way in advance. And what I mean by this is a lot of time when I speak to people when they're first getting started on their journey, I'm going to usually ask them, is there anything that might get in the way of you making success across the next three to six months or so? And usually they'll bring up a few social occasions, weddings, maybe a birthday or a trip that they had planned before they even got started. They're already really aware of what might come up. And as we mentioned earlier, we should be aware of the holidays that are going to come up towards the end of the year. Halloween is around the corner, bonfire night, Thanksgiving, Diwali, Hanukkah, Christmas, New Year, all of them are coming up. And what we're very good at as humans is identifying what might get in our way, but what we're not very good at is devising a strategy of what we'll actually do when this happens. Or we do but it's not actually that practical. Let me give you the example of Thanksgiving. We might go in with the plan of like, I'm going to stick to all of my meals apart from the main meal with my family, and then I'm going to stick to the one plate rule. And that sounds like a fantastic plan, right? But what happens when someone comes to you with your favorite dessert that is homemade and they're desperate for you to try? What happens when you're poured a drink and everyone wants you to join in and toast the family for the year? What happens if your own willpower begins to give way and the temptations are just simply too much? We are fantastic at identifying the potential challenges, but we miss out on the most important part, what we're actually going to do in that moment. So how do we get better at this? We use our experience. You've gone to Christmas parties, you've had birthdays, you've been to weddings, and quite often you know your own shortcomings too. So many people will say, I'm not fussed about the main meals, but when dessert comes out, that's my weakness. Or I can go without alcohol, but when home cooked food that my mum is going to make comes out, I'm just not going to be able to resist it. Use your history and experience in these situations to your advantage. So if we have a rough plan in place for those occasions, which is maybe 60 to 70% of the job done, now we need to start thinking, what am I going to do when that dessert comes out? Then we have to become practical. If we know we just won't have the power to resist or abstain from the dessert, it's kind of counterproductive to even try. What we could do instead is identify the dessert that we want to have most, determine how much of that will actually satisfy us, maybe add 10 to 20% more as a safety net, and then we can adjust our calories around that to how much we'll probably have. This is far more practical than saying, when dessert comes out, I'm going to go lock myself in the bathroom for 20 minutes until someone puts it back in the fridge. Let's take another example. Let's say you're really enjoying your time being alcohol-free, but you know that the temptations and triggers are 
that are going to arise in those family and holiday environments are going to catch you off guard and put you in a precarious position. Maybe removing yourself temporarily from the environment is a practical strategy. Maybe when you feel the urge is getting really strong, you tell yourself, I'm going to go out to the garden to get some air. Maybe you tell a friend or family member before the occasion that you're trying to abstain and lean on them as accountability when it gets too much and they're ready and waiting to support you during that moment. And I just want you to see the difference between just saying, I'll avoid these and hope for the best versus genuinely going in with a practical strategy for the specific scenario that you're going to face. It's going to pay off so much more. So have a think now, look ahead at your schedule, think about what appeals to you most and what you'll do in those scenarios. I'm not currently in a fat loss phase personally, but if I was, I'd be looking at Christmas right now. So I'd be thinking to myself, I know I want to enjoy certain foods on the key dates of like 24th to 26th. And I'm also aware that I like Christmassy foods too, like making gingerbread, going to coffee shops, having a seasonal cake or pastry. So my thinking would be, let's be extra diligent in the months of September, October, and November. So when that time comes around, I'll be in a position to allow myself a little bit more flexibility when that time comes. I know I have a good level of self-control that I can rely on. So I know that if I make good headway with my journey before then, I can ease off the gas a little bit. I also know that on the 27th, I'll usually want to get right back into my routine and get back to business. And therefore, I know that no matter what, my Christmas eating won't go beyond those three key days. I might have a meal and drink on New Year's Eve, but it's going to be nothing crazy at all. I'm using my past experiences. I'm understanding my tendencies and I'm using this to my advantage. Do the same and you'll have so much more success. And just one quick note before we wrap up this point, this can be applied to if you're building a business or starting a new hobby too. If you know that socials will start picking up towards the end of the year, now might be the time to start skipping the after work drinks with colleagues in favor of using your time a little bit more productively with the knowledge that your heavy social calendar is coming up towards the back end of the year. Don't allow these occasions to be an excuse. Think about them in advance, opt for the most practical and realistic approach, and you will be able to handle these much more effectively. All right, those are my top five ways of making the most of the final stages of the year. And I want to wrap up with five quick fire tips that may help you along the way too. Number one, if your partner has made a decision to make a commitment to their health and fitness journey, this could be an amazing opportunity for you to do the same. You can align your meals. You can lean on each other for support and motivation. You can do more activities as a family together that require you to be active and outdoors. On the other hand, if you've just had a new baby and you're keen to dedicate yourself to becoming a master at golf, for example, you'll need to communicate that as a family to determine the practicalities. I don't think we should ever sacrifice what we want to do, but we need to understand the implications that our commitments are going to have on others around us. And perhaps golfs and drinks three times a week turns into just golf twice a week and having a friend around for a drink instead as as you take care of things at home. There's always a way, so don't be discouraged if the initial route doesn't present itself in the initial conversation. Number two, immerse yourself with people and material that support your new goal. I truly believe this is one of the most underrated and underutilized ways to success. I remember seeing a James Clear quote a while ago and it said, the key, if you want to build habits at last, is to join a group where the desired behavior is the normal behavior. A big battle in any goal or habit you want to build is that feeling that you're doing it alone and no one can relate to the challenges and struggles that you're going to face. If you have a group of people who are aiming for the same thing as you are or dedicating themselves to a certain pursuit, surround yourself with those people. 
Going to bed before 10am to wake up fresh in the morning won't seem unusual to this crew. Skipping the social to work on yourself or a project that you're working on won't feel unusual to this tribe that you've surrounded yourself with. If you can't find these people in your city or in your home or around you, then find them online and join some online communities. And not only that, inundate your environment with material synonymous to your goals. Listen to podcasts, audiobooks, video courses, all around your desired outcome. Get a coach. It will make a huge, huge difference. Number three, and I think this is a big one, take quitting off the table. If you have a way out, there will be moments when you want to take it. If you tell yourself instead that no matter what you're following through, you'll start to find solutions on how to get through this when times get tough. I see this often with people who sign up for a health and fitness journey and they've opted for the six month package. When it comes to week eight and then motivation is dipping, they're not thinking, well, eight weeks has been positive. I can call this a day here, or I'll just hang on to the three month mark and finish then. They know they've bought themselves in for the long term. So instead, they start searching for practical solutions and ways to get themselves back on track. Don't give yourself an easy route out. Number four, celebrate mini milestones. If it's a fairly significant goal you're aiming to achieve, it's quite likely that you're not going to be there in a couple of weeks. Celebrating certain points on your journey can be great for keeping your morale high, feeling a sense of consistent accomplishment too. It doesn't have to be a party or a giant meal out. Just decide what you'll treat yourself with at each point and cheer for yourself. Number five, start immediately. The longer you wait, the more you'll find excuses and reasons not to get started. There's a cost to not taking action, which a lot of us don't consider. Let's say you need to tend your garden. There's a few weeds and the grass might be a little bit longer than you'd like it to be. You leave it for a few months, it's not going to just be those few weeds. It's going to be multiple weeds. The grass isn't going to be at angle height, it's going to be at knee height. You have to put in more effort when you do finally get round to it and the bigger the task looks, the harder it's going to be to face. This happens a lot in life with the things that we need to address and want to achieve. Take action sooner and the task will be so much much more manageable. The right time won't present itself to you. You have to make the time right. So guys, what are you waiting for? Team, pick your one to two things that you really want to focus on and take action. Your future self will thank you. You'll be looking back on New Year's Eve, happy that you got started and made some good headway towards your goal. So that is everything from me today. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend, family member who you think will take value from it. Share it on Instagram, Facebook, share it with the world. Thank you so much for listening team. Take care and I'll speak with you all soon. And that was the Simply Fit Podcast. I hope you gained a huge amount of value from today's episode. I feel inspired to improve your health and well-being. Be sure to search for Simply Fit in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. And go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, if you like the episode, please don't forget to give it a five-star rating. I'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you have. So reach out to me on social media. You'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at Elliot Hassoun. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to talking with you all on the next one.